Hi, I'm Tefera Jemian. And I'm Hannah Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah! week we're talking about Pride by E.B. Zaboy. Uh, it's an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. I feel like probably every I, I just feel like this is one everybody's talking about and I feel like like I don't need to give too much like introduction because I just feel like mm-hmm. I see it everywhere on social media okay. I'm kind of sad that it took us this long to read it because mm-hmm. it's so good yeah it's incredible anyway Pride by Ibiza Boy is uh, an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice set in modern day Bushwick in Brooklyn mm-hmm. yeah I mean I feel like that kind of sums it up that right sums there. it up that's, yeah because you know is. the it's, plot basically yeah. because it's Pride and Prejudice yeah uh, <laughs> Um, as an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, I I love it as an adaptation. Yeah, me too. I I mean, I, I also just like generally love adaptations of Pride and Prejudice as a thing. Yeah. Um, like there's something, I don't know. There, it's too. a popular work to adapt. Yeah. But I just, they delight me as yeah. as a thing. But this... This one is such a thoughtful and interesting adaptation that I think pushes against the original story in some really interesting ways mm-hmm. and uses elements of the original story in a, in really interesting ways. I, I love it as an adaptation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I um, What I really love about this adaptation as an adaptation mm-hmm. is that it stays very true to the story. Yes. Um, which some adaptations really don't. Some really kind of some veer from it. Some adaptations veer farther. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if you're if you're gonna do an actual adaptation, make it an actual adaptation. Uh, I mm-hmm. also love Pride and Prejudice adaptations. I actually saw yeah. Bride and Prejudice, the kind of Bollywood take on yes. Pride and Prejudice, before I knew Pride and Prejudice. Oh wow! Um, okay, which was really fun then when I started actually like reading and mm-hmm. uh, and watching um, Pride and Prejudice. Because yeah. okay, just real quick, what's yeah. your ride or die movie movie adaptation? See, you know what's interesting is I have actually the Pride and Prejudice Prejudice adaptations that I am the least into or have like explored the least is like movies that are like period dramas like okay. that fairly faithfully reproduce Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Um I have been more into other like I really enjoyed the the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. I don't right. know if you have seen no. those ones. That's a web series. Um You've told me about them a lot. They're actually. very fun. Yeah. Um, it's a web series. It's like a modern day take on Pride and Prejudice in like a video blog format. And I, I love Pride and Prejudice. Right. Um, so have you never seen the 1995 adaptation with Jennifer Ale and Colin Firth? I have maybe seen it, but it, I was like a young teenager when I did, if I have. so Okay, I'm going to get my hands on that. And we're going to have a movie night. <laughs> Excellent. Because okay. I have seen it. I'm the opposite. Where okay. I think I've talked a little bit about how I'm super curmudgeonly about movie adaptations of things. Yes. I'm really curmudgeonly about adaptations. Okay, interesting. It, it has to be super good for me to like it. Okay, fair. Like, if I read or watch something that's based on Pride and Prejudice and it's not Pride and Prejudice, I'll be like, I could just rewrite, pre- rewrite, re- 
God, I made it so far. I could just reread Pride and Prejudice, you know? Um, okay. Interesting. So you don't like it when they stray too far. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, which is why I don't like the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Because I feel that they strayed way too far. I think that's maybe the one that I've seen. Okay. Um, uh, I will say the casting of, oh, what's her name? She plays Joanna in The Hunger Games. She's she's brilliant. She's such a good actress. Anyway, she plays Lydia in it, and she's okay. spectacular. Mm-hmm. So I think that you would like uh, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries because it mm-hmm. is quite a faith. It is quite a um, like faithful adaptation yeah. in that way. Um, you would not like the book that I read over Christmas, which was great, but it was a looser adaptation. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> so let's dig into this adaptation, yes. which I love. Love it. I I love this adaptation. I Mm -hmm. am a curmudgeon about adaptations, and I love this one. (laughs) Uh, I think it's just spot on. It's, yeah, well, it really captures the the spirit of Pride and Prejudice, but Mm -hmm. tells it in a different way. Mm -hmm. The thing that it really brought to light for me Mm -hmm. was thinking about Pride and Prejudice as a young adult novel. Interesting. Okay. Which I enjoyed. So the the teenagers, the sisters in this were a little younger than yes. they are canonically in Pride and Prejudice. In Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth Bennett is 20. Yeah. The, and the, so the um, Elizabeth character, um, Zuri, is a little bit younger as well. Is a little well. bit younger. Jane is a little... The Jane character, Janae, is a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, the twins are a couple years younger. They're 13 yes. instead of 15. Um, um, I really enjoyed that the names were really close. Yeah. Like... I, I don't that's what I like the details I like it to be super super close yes um, yeah so it was fun how a lot of the names were quite close yeah. um or or like like instead of Lydia and Kitty it's Layla and Kayla yeah um yeah yeah um I like the take on Mary where yes. instead of being extremely sort of ethical and and puritanical <laughs> as she is in Pride and Prejudice, yeah. she's very interested in money. Yeah, she was very fun. Uh, she's very fun. Mm-hmm. I did feel like they could have pushed the Collins character just a little further. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked, yeah, I liked that everything was there. All the yeah. elements were there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you get all of all of the key players are there in some in some way. Mm-hmm. Um. And so one of the things, as we're talking about characters, one of the things that I loved about this adaptation is she did change the characterization of some of the characters, mm-hmm. but in in ways that I really liked. So I think that the the original source material falls into some misogyny with some of the secondary characters. Okay. Like, especially, I'm especially thinking around Caroline, I guess mostly around Caroline, Okay, talk to me about Caroline that. Caroline Bingley. Yeah. Um, well, she's just kind of, she's very like one-dimensionally cold and conniving and catty, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. In, um, in, in the original. Whereas I really liked how Carrie gets to be more than that in this book. Okay. How so? How, how do you find her characterization different? Well, at the end of the book... So so yeah that okay yeah and and I think I feel like you also get in this that like a lot of the rivalry between them is is more perceived on Zuri's part than it is actual okay um like you you do get the idea at the beginning that like Carrie is clearly into Darius yeah and like not stoked 
Carrie doesn't insult Lizzie either. I hadn't thought of that. No, yeah, Carrie doesn't insult yeah. Zuri. She doesn't, she is not part of trying to break uh Janae Janae and Ainsley. And and Ainsley. You uh, know, I didn't say th- I didn't um, I didn't make that connection, but that's true. Caroline has the idea to break up Jane and Bingley yeah. in Pride and Prejudice. And then and then yeah. at the end, at the end of the book, Carrie is um Carrie's like watching out for watching out for Layla and kind of helping to navigate that situation and take care of them and like you just you get the idea that she is fundamentally a good person yeah mm-hmm. um and you don't so I I, I just really liked that I yeah. liked I liked what she did with that character yeah um like she plays the same role but she's she's not just a one-dimensional like conniving bitch like she is in the original mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did find across the board people were a little less mean yeah like even Darius is less mean yes you know you don't yeah. you don't have the like there's there are no dance partners handsome enough like she is she is tolerable I suppose yeah no you don't get him being like a straight-up asshole nowhere near handsome enough to tempt no. me right like you don't which I was a little bummed I was I, was, I do love that scene yeah so. I will say I really like Caroline in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I like fair. her characterization. Uh, I like her cattiness and her connivingness because I see her as somebody who is looking out for herself, right? Like yeah, she's wealthy, that's but true. like she wants to hold on to that. She wants to hold on to her status. Mm. Yeah, anyway, but yeah. we're not talking about Pride and Prejudice. We're talking about Pride. We're talking yeah. about this adaptation. No, that's fair though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember the other the other person I was thinking of was um, the Mrs. Bennett character. So Mrs. Yeah. Benitez is just, she's very, in the original again, she's very, she's very silly and very kind of like very mockable. Yeah. Um, and I feel like she's just, she's more of a full person in this in this adaptation and I think that the relationship between Zuri and her mom is a lot more complex and sympathetic than between Lizzie and her mom yeah I would say the biggest divergence for me from the original is the characterization of Mrs. Bennett yeah that's fair Mrs. Benita like yeah also giving the her parents a happy marriage like yes. she she talks about how theirs is like a true love story mm-hmm. and in Pride and Prejudice it's very specifically they married too young. They did not have a happy marriage, yes. which I think in Pride and Prejudice really affects Lizzie Bennett's hesitance yes. to enter into marriage um, with someone she can't respect. Yeah. And I think it, it plays a really important, I think the difference between Mr. and Mrs. Bennett and the distance between Mr. and Mrs. Bennett mm-hmm. plays a really important role in Pride and Prejudice for Elizabeth yeah. Bennett's um motivation yeah absolutely plays a different role in this one because Zuri sees her parents relationship and you know doesn't want to settle for anything less Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah very much which works I did miss some of the drama yeah it's definitely lower drama yeah it's it's more introspective yeah and lower drama yeah um well i think part of it is that there there's additional plot that's put into it that's not in in the original so some of the some of the force of the plot comes from new elements mm-hmm. and so some of the original elements are maybe diluted a little bit absolutely the plot is no longer about um finding husbands right yeah like however 
I like that she's replaced the finding a husband and securing a future with getting into school yes. and securing a future. Yeah. I think that's a really good analogous replacement there. Mm-hmm. Um, that Zuri's real focus is getting into school. Mm-hmm. Jane is already in college, which yes. is different from Pride and Prejudice. You know, Jane isn't already married in Pride mm-hmm. and Prejudice. Uh, but I was thinking about how that's a fun replacement. Yeah. That there's still this sense of being in an insecure place and, and seeking stability and st- seeking yeah. um, social advancement. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it specifically like that mm-hmm. before, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I also just like... So it's set in Brooklyn, which I've mm-hmm. never lived in New York City. I haven't spent mm-hmm. much time in New York City, but Syracuse is really close to my heart. Okay. And so Janae being at Syracuse University, Syracuse mm-hmm. was my top choice okay. school. I got in. Uh, it came down to finances. It was just much cheaper to go to McGill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like whenever I hear about Syracuse, I'm like, aww. <laughs> um, but I liked... I, I was thinking that this is maybe something that someone who hasn't lived and applied to schools in the States would miss. Mm-hmm. There's a really subtle signifying of class with the different schools. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like Janae goes to Syracuse, which is a very good school, but like certainly a tear down from Cornell where Ainsley goes, Yeah, which is a, a in the same area, but like much more expensive, harder to get into, mm-hmm. you know, snootier, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like those just kind of little little nods, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that kind of like like segues, helps us segue. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to say segue yeah. without snickering now, without um, into talking about class a little and how class yeah. is interacted with. So you were saying that this made you see the class dynamics of Pride and Prejudice differently. Yeah, I mean... Just in a more, like, Pride and Prejudice is always a narrative about class, but I think that that often gets obscured a little bit. Um, I think it, in a lot of, in a lot of its guises and a lot of adaptations, it becomes more about just Lizzie and Darcy's personalities as opposed to their class differences. Right, yeah. Um, And maybe that's partially because... I think that that's potentially partially just because, like, I am less familiar with, like, the ways class was coded in Regency England than, like, the ways class is coded in our world today. Right. Um, that I maybe didn't pick up on it as much in in the original. Um, but this this adaptation really brings to the forefront that Pride and Prejudice is a story about class difference yeah. um, and navigating that. Yeah. And... And it just does it in such a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, and I think it does it in a more full and thoughtful way mm-hmm. than um, than some other versions do. Yeah, I think you're spot on with saying that a lot of adaptations really focus on the love story and on the clash mm-hmm. of personalities, which is such a compelling element. Of oh, of Pride course, it's great. I love it. Um, but does really look over the the powerful commentary on class that Jane Austen was making Mm -hmm. because it's true we do miss a lot of it as modern readers yeah Jane Austen's readers at the time did not miss any of it oh yeah (laughs) you know and reading an adaptation that translates Mm -hmm. uh, that class dynamic into a recognizable form yeah it's really powerful mm -hmm. yeah I think it's looking I think it's partially because like at least being a modern reader it's like 
harder for me to conceptualize Lizzie's family being super lower class because they're right. still like none of the kids are working. They still live in like a small manor house, etc. Um so it does, whereas just because this is contemporary in a context we understand, it comes much more to the fore. Well, I think with, um, I actually think this is something that, that, in, that comes into the interpretation as well. Okay. With Pride and Prejudice, have you read Emma? No, I have, I have um, like interacted with adaptations okay. of Emma, but I don't think I've read the original all the way through. So in Emma, you have... Um, now I can't remember her name, but the the spinster who takes care of her elderly mother, and they're Jane's sort of uh, aunt, oh. I think, and foster parent. And oh yes, mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember. So with them, and they live mm-hmm. in a very small apartment, and they have very little livelihood, and they depend on charity. Mm-hmm. She was the daughter of a wealthier family okay. who could not secure a husband and lost her inheritance. Right. Mm. And so I think reading Sense and Sensibility with that context is really telling. Pride and Prejudice. Pride yes. and, thank you. Pride and <laughs> Prejudice. Um, Sense and Sensibility also, actually. I mean, a lot okay. of Austin's work talks about mm-hmm. just how much the future of a woman lies on her ability to marry yeah. well. And that's why I think the, the parallel of going to college is really helpful. Yeah. Because Zuri is trying to secure her future yeah in the same way that the bennett sisters are trying to secure their future Mm -hmm. sure while their father is alive they are okay but but when their father dies their estate goes to collins and Mm -hmm. they are homeless which is also what happens at the beginning of sense and sensibility their father dies the estate goes to a brother they have nowhere to live okay and they depend on charity yeah so it really like yes it's it's when you don't see that they can't work they have no mm-hmm. ability to work. They don't know how to work. They're, yeah. They, but like, yeah. They also will just kind of be screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, that's that's why I think the parallel of going to college is a really interesting one. Yes. Because that's how we look forward to the future. Now. Yeah. That's it's, now how. You're, yeah. You're not going to marry into your wealth. You're going to get educated into that position. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's why I think it was just such a good analogy to draw mm-hmm. there to make it about. Yeah building yourself a better future that way Mm -hmm. yeah i hadn't i hadn't Mm -hmm. hadn't made that connection but that's really good yeah that makes a lot of sense so i really like austin (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) in case this isn't clear (laughs) yeah Um, yeah and oh this is such a good adaptation it's such a it's like adds richness mm -hmm. and Uh, it's also beautifully written like i think i texted you that when i first started listening to it it's just like so evocative and Mm -hmm. well it's partially because the narrator is a poet yeah, and so, so her poetry is interspersed. We both listen to it as an audiobook because yeah. that is how it's available on Scribd. Um, yeah. Scribd, we're still waiting for that. To, what do you call it? Um, sponsorship. Sponsorship. Yep, please sponsor us. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never actually contacted them directly. Um, should tweet at them. Yeah, absolutely. I have done that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I have spoken before about how I don't really like audiobooks that much, mm-hmm. but I've got to say this audiobook is like... It's a good one. It's very good. It's getting me on the road to being converted to audiobooks. Okay. Uh, in part because like I was 
reading this book while like changing the sheets of one of my children and like the diapers of another of my children and um I was not able to read when my first child was small and so it's very nice to have this opportunity yeah (laughs) yeah I wouldn't have been able to finish this book this week either I don't think if it was not an audiobook um partially because I was also finishing the ugly trilogy at the same time right (laughs) yeah there's that um yeah so the uh the audiobook of this is really extremely beautiful. well narrated. Yeah. Um. So one of the the class elements in mm-hmm. this book is um the idea of gentrification. Yeah. Which is sort of nodded at all through the book and then mm-hmm. becomes really powerful. Right. And I'd the say end. the last yeah. kind of the last quarter mm-hmm. of the book. Um. So Zuri has lived in Bushwick her whole life. Yeah. I really loved reading this because for me. I know Bushwick as a kind of hipster Brooklyn neighborhood. That's what part of my brain lights up with this. Mm -hmm. And reading it from somebody who like grew up there and and knows the culture pre-gentrification is kind Mm -hmm. of in the process of it was so helpful for me because like... Yeah, because I don't know New York. I don't know Brooklyn. And, and mm-hmm. I definitely think, I think we mostly do think about Brooklyn as like, oh, hipsters now. Yeah. Um, where that's a really recent historically development. historically what it was. Yeah. yeah. So the, the first sentence of it, which mm-hmm. is a, a rewriting of the first sentence of Pride and Prejudice and is so good. Mm-hmm. It's a truth universally acknowledged that when rich people move into the hood where it's a little bit broken and a little bit forgotten, the first thing they want to do is clean it up. And right there, that establishes... That this that, book is talking about class in the same way as Pride and Prejudice is, but in a different context. In a different, yeah, yeah. Because very in clever. Pride and Prejudice, it's it's a truth universally acknowledged that a single man of in possession of a good, good fortune, fortune must, must be, be in, in want, want of a wife. wife. So really, mm-hmm. the theme is gentrification. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the the Darcys move into the neighborhood having renovated a brownstone. Yeah. And made it really stick out on the block. It's a block that hasn't been very gentrified yet. And 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 that's what the tension is really between Zuri and Darcy to begin with. Is yeah. she does not want them there. Yeah. Uh, she they, their house and their family have no place in her neighborhood. Yeah. Um, She's fiercely protective of her neighborhood, mm-hmm. and she really doesn't want it to gentrify. Yeah. And, and uh, she has this real anxiety around leaving. Yeah, because she's so afraid that if she leaves when she comes back, it'll all be different. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we see at the end of the book that that's a that's a really justified it's a, fear. Yeah, it's a real um, fear. And will you also get such a deep sense of she is so intricately connected to her her neighborhood as a community, yeah, and as a home, and so she's really afraid of losing that. Absolutely, yeah. I really loved reading it because. I never had that kind of community. I never had that kind mm-hmm. of neighborhood. I moved a lot um, okay. as a kid. Uh, well, not a, not a lot, a lot, but like, but there was, there's just something, I think maybe for, for people like me, and I think probably like you can correct me yeah. if this is wrong. I mean, I, I we live, haven't lived in a neighborhood that has that kind of community and that kind of... Not really. Yeah. I think me probably more so than yeah. you. Like I lived in the same house my whole life, but yeah. it was like, wasn't quite suburbia, but like quasi-suburbia. Yeah. Um, not, not this tight knit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now the the neighborhood I lived in, excuse me, mm-hmm. the neighborhood I lived in as a teenager in Cambridge, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. um, had been this kind of neighborhood a couple generations before we moved in. Okay. And had gentrified, right? Yeah. And and I mean, now anybody who knows. 
Cambridge is like impossible to live there because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had been a street full of immigrant families, mostly Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fun thing was we had a block party every year that had okay. been running since the neighborhood was like that. Oh, and just that's kind of cool. was the one thing that hadn't gotten wiped out in the gentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was always kind of this sense in that neighborhood of there were a few elderly people who had grown up on the block mm-hmm. but mostly everything had been turned into condos yeah and mostly people didn't really talk to each other anymore yeah and and so i i feel like i've kind of always lived in the after effects of gentrification it's the same mm-hmm. with the neighborhood i'm in now ndg yeah. in montreal used to be very very different yeah um but i liked having that story told and mm-hmm like seeing it as as um, really set up as kind of the class shift that it is. Yeah. Um, and the displacement, displacement. Mm-hmm. You know, she and her family at the end of the book are displaced from their home and the Darcys stay. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she and the Darcys become cool. She and Darius become cool. But ultimately, she is forced out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and her building is gutted and is yeah. being renovated to be something completely different. I also got the the small, the subtext, at least the suggestion of subtext, that it was Darius's dad who bought out their building. I think so. Um, I, I think so, absolutely. Yeah, it's not yeah. explicit, but I think it's it's strongly suggested that yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, I, I think because... Um, Darius's grandmother says that he like wants to be a a real estate mogul yeah Um, and I think absolutely Darius is really cagey around the person buying it he sidesteps the question yeah I think that's absolutely subtextually there Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because her family is relocates they get to relocate to like they have a Mm -hmm. house instead of an apartment yard but it you know sort of theoretically I think people would look at that and be like well that's a step Mm -hmm. up they got to move to a nicer neighborhood yeah but it's lacking all the things she loves about yeah she really mourns the loss of community and like that closeness yeah um and that's important Mm -hmm. and significant yeah well it really it opened my eyes to kind of that aspect of gentrification because I think I've mostly had an understanding of gentrification as like people not being able to afford where they usually lived and so like just from kind of a poverty standpoint it being a problem but I I hadn't at least thought of it to this degree of really like it also destroys communities it does absolutely because it makes people have to scatter yeah yeah and it really this book really captures the the deep loss yeah there the loss not just for the people who live there but for the neighborhood in general yeah because you're taking this vibrant community of people who have been there and been there and been there Mm -hmm. and replacing them completely yeah with a new collection of people who who live in a different way yeah who don't get to know their neighbors Mm -hmm. um it really is sort of wiping out a culture gentrification wipes out a culture can we can we zip back to characters for a minute because i think that Oh, and I'm I'm bad at remembering character names, and I've just written to the book, but um the, the landlady. But what do what? Madrina. Madrina. Yeah, yeah. Um, not pronouncing it right, but um, yeah, their their landlady, who's also kind of like a surrogate grandmother. Mm-hmm. I feel like her. She is kind of an analog for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because it's a little bit of a spoiler. But the so warning. <laughs> um, the book ends with her dying. Mm-hmm. 
which is what then then the building is sold and yeah anyways she she is a character who I don't think it has an analog in the original but she's so I love the relationship between her and Zuri theoretically she would be Catherine de Bourgh but she's not like because she's Colin's grandmother or like oh. like caretaker but oh, Lady guess. Catherine de Bourgh is kind of split into Darcy's Darius's grandmother yeah Medina, who's mm-hmm. kind of takes the role of Lizzie's father and kind of just a little is, kind of just is her it was own her own new thing but yeah she it's really just, is just she's, wonderful she's a I think definitely a personification of the community yeah I loved I loved her I loved the magic that she is she's not just sort of the landlady who keeps the neighborhood together but she's also kind mm-hmm. of a, almost a priestess she's a yeah yeah she's absolutely she tells people what they need and she mm-hmm. creates spells and she really is a magical figure yes um, which I love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that she is magical and and holds the community together yeah and i think it's really significant that zuri's family moving out of the community is marked with a death yes i think it's really important to see that as a death Mm -hmm. yeah as a death of someone warm and beautiful and magical Mm -hmm. and sustaining Mm -hmm. um i think that was a really powerful choice yeah absolutely yeah I feel like Darius and Zuri are not going to last past like her first semester at Howard. Yeah, I think probably. I, we've yeah. had this conversation before about how like most YA couples, you get the picture that like they're going to have a fun six months to a year and then. Yeah. Janelle and Ainsley, I believe in more. Yeah. Janae, no, I agree. Oh my God, Janae. Janae, Janae and Ainsley. Um, um, I believe in more. Yeah. But I feel like... Because Darius's dad definitely bought that building. Eventually, that's going to come out. It's going to be. And that's going to be too devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're going to have a good year. I think they're going to teach each other a lot. Yeah. And then probably, you know, go their separate ways. And mm-hmm. So the one thing, again, if we're talking about adaptations, the other mm-hmm. thing I missed, I said I missed Collins a little bit, and I wish mm-hmm. Collins had been a little more ridiculous. And I think that's yeah. part of my just missing the drama a bit. <laughs> yeah, because I... yeah, he was low-key ridiculous, but not. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish um, the Warren and Layla storyline had been more dramatic. Yes. I feel like it got it got so watered down. It, from the Lydia and Wickham thing. It did get, yeah, it got very, it was much tamer than it is in the original. Yeah. And while it was still significant in, I felt like it was only instrumental in having her write off Warren. Yes. It wasn't the same kind of ground-shaking, reputation-breaking kind of cataclysmic event that it is in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. I don't really know, I mean, I can... See, there's a problem because I don't really know what the analog would be, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, because like Layla wasn't a character, wasn't written as a character who would run off with an older guy. No, in uh, in a different so in in the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, spoiler, I guess they have him like she she Lydia hooks up with Wickham right. and then he makes a sex tape of her right. and like leaks it on the internet, right? Um, and th- that is the analog. But again, she's older in that yeah. adaptation. So it it wouldn't have worked the same, really, to do that. I mean, it still happens. Like, it's it's yeah. in the same... I feel like, like making it be, you know, sexy pictures goes in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I also understand that this is much, this adaptation is much less about the relationships and much more about Zuri herself Mm -hmm. um, and her growth. But I felt that it was a little anticlimactic. It definitely was a little bit anticlimactic. Although I think it's interesting in terms of like, even though it wasn't really like much that happened to Layla, you still you still really see the sister relationship in that like even though like she really wasn't hurt at all it still really shakes Zuri yeah and really is traumatic for her yeah and um, I mean Layla being 13 as opposed to 15 does yeah. make getting drunk at a party and having someone take suggestive photos of her mm-hmm. feel less like, oh, yeah, that's a blunder a 15-year-old can do. And more yeah. like, why are you taking advantage of this child? Yeah. Um, not that it's not still taking advantage of a child at 15, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's more and more. It's yeah. different. It yeah. reads differently. Yeah. There's also the subtext, I think, that um, like if if Suri hadn't caught them, if Zuri hadn't realized that that was happening, it could have turned out a lot differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if Lizzie got to Lydia before she eloped. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is, I mean, in a, in a way, kind of a nice way to, to reclaim Lydia's story mm-hmm. and give Lydia a second chance as a character. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's that it's that mm-hmm. there's no complete fall from grace. It's just a near miss. Yeah. Um, and, um, it gives and again, she's Darius, 13. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives Darius a chance to you know swoop in and help out Mm -hmm. and uh yeah yeah i i also felt like kind of where were darius and ainsley parents like (laughs) they were just they're fairly absent but i wonder if that's a deliberate choice in the same way as kind of Mm -hmm. the absence of community the absence of neighborhood feeling Mm -hmm. there's just kind of this like all these connections that are so significant in Zuri's life feel kind of absent yeah which doesn't mean that Darius and Ainsley's parents are absent no it's just sort of the perception of like this relationship is very different this Mm -hmm. family's connections are very different yeah you Um, you get the picture that their family is less close than Zuri's family is or like or close Less in a different way. Recognizably close, yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to say like they're not close because they're less present. You know, like yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, um, but Georgia goes to boarding school and mm-hmm. like yeah. I do really enjoy the little snippets of Georgia you, you get. Yeah, um, I've always well, really liked Gigi as a character. So and, like Georgia and Georgiana are so similar in that they're both definitely very much in their world and definitely Mm -hmm. don't see outside of their world yeah but they're just so endearing that you can't help but forgive them like yeah like georgia totally is clueless doesn't get Mm -hmm. it like does does say offensive things but like she's just such a sweetheart made of sweetness yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) that it's just like you know what i don't even care like you Mm -hmm. are nice (laughs) like you're just not really aware of Mm -hmm. what it does what your position does for you yeah I just feel like I feel like there is so much more to get into in this book. Yeah. And I also feel like I'm not the best person to get into it. Yeah. You know, Same. like like we are mm-hmm. not people who are familiar with this community. We're not people mm-hmm. who have personally experienced the effects of gentrification. Yeah really and and so i feel like on the one hand like i love this book as yeah. a, a so we've taken it as an adaptation of pride and prejudice because yeah. that's an angle that we can understand we can, and yeah. discuss um and it's so effective as an adaptation mm-hmm. of pride and yes. prejudice i feel like there is somebody in the world who can give a much better 
reading of this book. Um, but, you know, at the same time, mm-hmm. that person is the author and they gave us. Yeah. Um, she gave us this reading of mm-hmm. this book. It's it's really good. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful, very fun uh, book that's also got something to say. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, like Hannah said, like this mm-hmm. this reading this book um, gives you more insight into Pride and Prejudice. Even yes, you know, like um, it's it's insight into gentrification, it's insight into community, mm-hmm. but it's also insight into that storyline and those class dynamics, and you can yeah. kind of carry that with you back into Pride and Prejudice. And yeah, yeah. and isn't that the mark of a fantastic adaptation? Is Absolutely. that it adds something to the original? Yeah. Uh, yeah 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 it's really 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 good love it read it uh tell us what other fun adaptations of Pride and Prejudice you love yeah yeah (laughs) so also um this is something we should have addressed at the beginning of the episode but forgot to it's Black History Month it's February um with the exception of our last episode that was about uglies just because of the way our timing worked out Mm -hmm. we are doing Black History Month looking at black authors yeah Um, and we're gonna kind of continue it a few weeks after February yeah I think we're gonna do like like at least two or three or four yeah yeah, sure we'll do four episodes four episodes to be a full month so even though we're doing Mm -hmm. it bi-weekly and we're starting in february already it's gonna be a little like yeah it's gonna be great but uh (laughs) yeah but that's what we're doing so we're Mm -hmm. starting with this one um we haven't completely narrowed down that list yet so if there's anything you really want us to do during that period uh please let us know yeah take it into consideration and I think list. one of the things that we want to do is explore some different genres than yeah. we've explored already. So, like, if you have, like, science fiction or fantasy by black authors yeah. that you want to recommend to us, we would love to hear that, about that. That will go, like, right to the top of the list. Because yeah. at this point, this is, like, our third kind of... Realistic Modern fiction. realism. Yeah. 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 Um, although um, this has an adaptation. This is different. our fourth. Fourth. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. Fourth. Yeah. At least. So we did two Nick Stones. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you've got, especially if you've got recommendations for fantasy, sci-fi, historical fiction. Yeah. Um, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at tefferbear and at the Balesosaurus. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get to all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons... Catherine Wench, Kat McGuire, Chantal Thomas, and Lizzie Tenhove. They're the best, and you should join them. Mm-hmm. We have merch. Another way to give us money is to buy our merch, but also our merch is really pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a wonderful logo designed by Hannah, and uh, people tend to really like it. You can get a tote bag to tote your books. Mm-hmm. You can get a sweatshirt to keep you cozy. You can get a tank top to keep you cool. You can get a laptop sticker to swag up your laptop. Mm-hmm. You can get a mug to hold your coffee or tea. Mm-hmm. There are so many options. So many things. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tea Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. That really helps us get the word out, so we appreciate it so much mm-hmm. if you can help us out that way. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com.
everybody we are the don't be mad podcast partners of the upford network my name is matthew and i'm joined here as always with jason jamali we cover everything from politics sports and pop culture and you can catch us every monday on all podcast platforms and you can watch our videos on youtube Hi, I'm Candace Pye, and I'm the host of Gal Chat, a weekly podcast where we give you our feminist takes on everything from sex and dating to politics and pop culture. It's a show that updates you on controversial headlines, dives into the latest movies and TV, and discusses things like Tinder troubles and Me Too struggles. I put out a new show every Tuesday with special guests, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on social media at Galchatpod.